This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And here's the sous chef, Frankie Proctor, here sharing the studio uh, along with Charlie on this rather cool Saturday morning, huh? Totally, totally cool. Yeah, I'm, I don't hear you. Uh, my mic's not on. Oh, there, oh, there we are. go. Hello. There we are. Good morning. And David Gaskin then, and the gremlins got to him there. Uh, <laughs> our producer, <laughs> yeah. uh, the first voice you will hear when you call these numbers. Let me just give them out here. Sure. Uh, for Toronto area listeners, let's see. It's 416 Zero seven forty. Then anywhere else in the province, toll free. Doesn't cost you a penny. One eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Yeah. So. Oh, you've got an announcement. I do, I do. I will just um, remind everybody, because this is a timely announcement, Mm. today from 10 a.m. until 3 p.m., the Trial Gardens Public Open House Mm. at Landscape Ontario is happening, and it's a great day to be outside, Uh, nice and sunny, not too hot. It is an outdoor event, obviously. Uh, Landscape Ontario is located just near Milton, so it's 7865 Fifth Line South, which is just near Trafalgar Road, just south of Steeles in Milton. So I would Google Landscape Ontario, get a map to get there. But the Trial Gardens Open House, I went yesterday to the Trade Open House. So Trial Gardens are gardens that are planted uh, typically on a yearly basis with annuals. Uh, Sometimes there's perennials in them. So if there's perennials, obviously they're there for many years. Um, And they're they're test gardens. Mm -hmm. So the, the breeders donate the product and then the manager of the trial garden, either it's little cuttings or it's seeds, gets it all growing, plants it all out, has labels on everything, and then um, monitors. Uh, it's yeah, one yeah. of those things where they keep track of everything. So there's a lot of, lot of paperwork involved. But these same plants are being trialed in gardens all over North America at the same time. <clears throat> So at the end of the year, uh, all those reports are put together and certain selections are made to be the best to put out onto the market next year. So you get a sneak peek at stuff that might be out there. Exactly, based on how they are uh, acting this year Mm. around all over the the continent, like I say. So it is exactly that, a sneak peek on new petunias, new portulaca, new vinca, all kinds of new vegetables. There's a whole vegetable uh, garden in there as well. Um, Some of the vegetables, these little tomatoes, little tiny cherry tomatoes that grow uh, flat on the ground. So oh, the, they're, they're not just staked up. Right exactly. Now. Like they're just like a ground cover. It's almost like it looks like strawberries, um, but they're growing flat on the ground. And one of the gentlemen I was talking to yesterday, Larry Shirk, mentioned that he thought this might be a kind of a cool thing for the urban vegetable gardener oh, yeah. who is having trouble with tomatoes because the raccoons and squirrels keep taking them all the time. So what you could do is you could grow these tomatoes and then you could put a cage over top, like a, just a simple uh, chicken wire right. sort yeah. of a top on. And you'd still get lots of tomatoes and the raccoons couldn't get them before you. Well, I'll be a son of a gun, yes. But the other reason I bring up the trial gardens is that this year uh, there are also over 800 roses planted there. Now, if you like roses, and we've had lots of callers, people who love roses and um, are interested in growing them easily, low maintenance, lots of color, Mm -hmm. and sometimes they call and say, you know, every leaf has fallen off, how come? What you'll see when you go to the trial gardens and you look at these roses, over 800, they're all labeled. Yeah. You can see whether the leaves are still shiny and detached, which is a very good indication of disease resistance. You'll see how much color there is on them even now. So that tells you a lot about the ever-blooming potential. You'll see the way they grow, the form, obviously the color, the fragrance, all that. And the names are right there. So by walking around, you say, oh, I really like a, I need a pink one. You walk around, yeah. make some notes of names, mm-hmm. and that's what you then go shopping for. And these are not necessarily, some of them are very, very new cultivars, but they are all available in the marketplace. They're not, none of them are being tested. They're strictly there as a showpiece. 
Hey, that sounds like a great idea. It is a great idea. Okay. All right. Landscape Ontario. Landscape Ontario today, 10 to 3. Very right. good. Do I have time to tell you a quick story about my yes, kitty cat? Yes, indeed. You do. A, <laughs> as an owner of a cat, Dickens, I get a lot of uh, emails about Dickens and phone do calls. You? Yeah. How's Dickens doing? So, Carter. Uh, Carter, my, my mm. crazy Carter. Uh, he, um, I was just thinking, maybe I need a cat whisperer because I just, there's, there's some training required for my cat. I've told you in the past that he can leap tall buildings. And so he has bells attached to every body part. And when he, he breathes, he jingles. So it's very, it's very cheerful. He jingles all the time. So he's outside this a couple weeks ago, jingle, jingle in the backyard. And I look and he's got a bird in his mouth. So I went out there and I grabbed him by the scruff of the neck. Said, Drop that bird. Drop that bird. And he's looking at me going, I'm not dropping this bird. This is my bird. And Drop that bird. Well, of course, I gave up because by that time, the poor little bird wasn't going to survive. Anyway. You're so, shaking the hell of the cat. No. No, exactly. So we moved on. Then one night, oh, a few nights ago, it's jingle, jingle, jingle coming to the back door. And it's dark out. And I just opened the door, didn't look closely. And jingle, jingle boy comes hopping in. And suddenly I realize he has something in his mouth. Uh-huh. So I look a little bit more closely. I realize he has a mouse in his <laughs> mouth. So now it's like I'm trying to pick up the cat, open the door, and now I'm saying, don't drop that mouse, which is opposite of drop that bird. What does he do? He drops the mouse. <laughs> so the mouse is loose in the house now. Exactly. Huh? The mouse is going, I'm out of here, and dashes under some furniture, and my cat's looking at me and going, hey, I brought home a mouse. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? And he's like all happy and proud of himself, <laughs> goes to have a snack, right? Yeah, Over yeah, Over at sure. the food bowl. Yeah. Uh, I'm going, honey, um, we have a mouse in the house. And and my honey is not a mouse fan. As a matter of fact, she's quite afraid of mice. <laughs> so he brings he brings me all these like blue boxes and things. And I've got the broom and I've corralled the mouse. And all he has to do is like put the box over the mouse as it comes out from underneath the furniture. Yeah. Well, of course, when the mouse comes out, my honey leaps back 20 feet. <laughs> and the mouse just went straight under the stove and is happily living there now. So he jumps in the car off to the 24-hour any store that sells mouse traps. We've got mouse traps everywhere. We're, we're just trapped right up. It's it's Fort That's, Knox at my place. There, you know, oh, nobody can move without that, uh, some some <laughs> mouse trap being I'm gonna, tripped on. You still work. Yeah, you're still wearing sandals. I'm just checking to see. I've got one attached to your toe. It's boy, oh boy. <laughs> you got to be careful. We got humane traps. Well, right? that's pretty cool. I'm, I, I love cat stories. I love animal stories. Yes. That, that's a dandy. That, he's a real great cat, and, uh, I tell you. I bet you Elliot training. is so pleased that you told that little story on him. Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> happy happy times. Oh, at my at house. The you know household. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my friends. Oh, the mantra for the show. Call early, call often. One question per call. And David, our uh, producer, has lined up the uh, the bank of callers already, and we'll be along to talk to Mary in Brampton in just a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And we just had a call from Walt Disney Studios who uh, want to get uh, together with Charlie and start making a cartoon about her house uh, with all the mice and little Mickey and Minnie will be running around the uh, screen soon. And my jingling cat yes, will be chasing Carter. behind. Well, Mary, out in Brampton, what story do you have for us today? Good morning, my Saturday morning wake-up people. Good morning. Thank you. Um, question, I have a red hibiscus that I want to bring in for the fall and keep it through the winter and start it all over again in the summer. Other than removing the buds and cutting it back, what else should I think of? It's a tropical hibiscus? Yeah, this is the third season I've had it. So why do you want to remove all the buds and cut it back? Well, that's what I read in the book, and I didn't know if that was true. What, what should I do? Well, it's an interesting point. Um yeah, you could argue that that's the right thing to do. However, I never have the heart to do that. Yeah, I when I bring in a hibiscus, just as you're experiencing, typically they're in full bud and full bloom at the I end of the a, summer. Yeah, I have at least 10 or 12 buds on it. Yeah, exactly. So what I do is I, I want to make sure I'm not bringing any bugs in when I bring in the plant. But I also have a nice sunny window that I can put the plant in. Because remember, it's been out in a fair, you know sunny spot outside. We need to keep it growing. We need to give it lots of light inside. 
So I start by moving it into the shade about 10 days before I'm going to bring it inside just to lower the light levels and get the plant used to less light. Then just 24 hours before I'm going to bring it in, soapy water, give it a bath, you know, a shower, a bath. Yeah, I, I have insecticidal soap. Yeah, exactly. So a good good cleaning. Remember, you're going to spritz from below and above because mm-hmm. you want to make sure there's no insects on there. And you will make sure that you're doing that soapy uh, showering of the plant preferably in in the shade or early in the day or late in the day so that you don't have any sun on the plant when that soap is going on. Mm-hmm. Let the soap sit there for an hour or so, clear in water, rinse it off. Um, I do try and, and wash through the soil as well just to make sure there's no earwigs or sow bugs or whatever in the soil. So a good thorough drenching of the soil. Drain the plant, bring it inside to a nice sunny location, and keep it in that southern window for the entire winter. So leave the buds alone and yeah. let them come out. Yeah, and then I do big cutting back in March. In March, yeah. okay. Yeah, and okay. no fertilizing at all until March. Yeah, yeah, that was my last week's call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from New York City, right? You got it. You? Yeah, nice to have you on the show again. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks again, Mary. Thanks, Mary. Uh, pleasure always to have a chat with our listeners here, 916 our time. It's The Garden Show, AM 740, Zoomer Radio, as we say hi to Philomena in Mississauga. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Hi, I love your show. Thank you. Uh, I have a question regarding clematis. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what the name is, but it's a lovely purple bloom. Mm-hmm. And I've had it since last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful till last year. This year, I just got a few blooms, and that's it. And now I see the leaves are all eaten up, sort of way, like small cuts on them. Mm. And the plant seems to be like dying out. Tell what me, do, do, you, do you ever prune that plant? I do during this uh, March. Okay, good. And when you do that pruning, how much? How far down do you prune the plant? I really don't prune it all the way down. I just cut out all the dead. Uh, okay. that I see. All right, so here's what I would suggest. If it's a purple flower, as you, su- as you say, and it's a star-shaped flower, That's right. flat flower, it's probably, uh, the purples do tend to be quite vigorous. Mm-hmm. It might be one called Jack Manny because that's one of the more popular purple clematis. Mm-hmm. They're what we call the summer-blooming clematis. So what the best way to, to really have a vigorous, fully flowering plant is in the spring, instead of just picking away any of the brown stuff that you see, mm-hmm. instead, and you'll you'll base this on the weather. It could be you'll be doing this in uh, early April. It could be right through till early May, depending on the kind of spring we're having. But you keep an eye on it, and you'll start to see little buds starting to break on the brown vines that are still hanging there from the winter. Mm-hmm. They look like little like, mouse ears. They're just little yeah. silver, soft, furry little buds. Once you see those buds, then get out your loppers or your chainsaw or whatever you need and cut that entire plant down to about the height of your knees. Oh, okay. Um, in, in a perfect world, you would cut each of the strands, each of the vines, to just above a set of those little buds that you're just seeing starting to pop. So straight across and, you know, might be 10, 12, 18 inches tall at that point. Walk away, fertilize, of course, in the spring. Consider top dressing, you know, look at, you know, good organic material. And then what will happen is lots of green growth will appear. And that's where the flowers form is on the new growth. So you have lots more flowers. Thank you so much. This year you probably had a little bit of earwig action because it's been a pretty big year for earwigs and they do love clematis. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Because I I was wondering what happened because it was such a lovely plant and then suddenly it started dying out. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. I really enjoy your show. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let me repeat the phone numbers. Uh, we might have new listeners out there saying, how do I get in there? Okay, <laughs> very simple. If you're in Toronto, uh, call 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the province, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And uh, let's go to a caller from Toronto, as a matter of fact. Dorothy's on the line. Oh, do- oh Dorothy, hold on just a moment. We, I'm, I'm, I'm exceeding my time limit. <laughs> I've got to take a little break here, but we'll be right back to talk to you after these words. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. 
Well, we're back on the line with Dorothy. Hi, Dorothy. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, my, tr- my problem is the uh, grass in the backyard and the front yard, and it's full of weeds. And then they're toadstools. They're brown. Mm. They're beige. They're white. Mm-hmm. They're growing here and there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to get rid of anything. Okay. So tell me, your lawn, and does it get much sun at all? Uh, yes, in the afternoon so, and from maybe 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh, okay. So so you've got quite a number of hours of sunlight uh, yes. across the lawn in different areas. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so the mushrooms, whenever you see little toadstools or little mushrooms growing in a lawn, you know a couple of things. One is you know it's been raining a lot, <laughs> and that's ex- exactly well, right. Well, I There's, do have an underground water sprinkler. <clears throat> Okay, well, oh, so that's been on all season. So, but then you've had the sprinkler plus the rain, and we've had yeah. some good rain, thank goodness, the last little bit. But what's really going on is there are some roots of some tree or shrub that was in your garden at some point, or perhaps the neighbor's garden, which has now been removed. And the roots are still down there, and they're slowly but surely decomposing. And those little toadstools are the fruiting bodies of the fungus that is decomposing the roots that are below ground. That's all it is. So what do you do? In the morning, you take a walk around your garden, and if you see those little mushrooms, those little toadstools popping up through the, through the, the lawn, through the grass, just with your foot, just knock them over. Just knock them over. Preferably earlier in the day is better because you'll slow down the spores being spread around anymore. But it's not a big deal. It, eventually, the toadstools will stop because eventually all the decomposition will have taken place. There'll be nothing more going on underground, and then you won't see any toadstools. So don't worry about that at all. That's just a minor problem that can happen for a couple of years. Uh, The weeds, this is a very good time. As the weather has started to cool down, it's a wonderful time to consider killing weeds in our lawns by using the product that is out there for us to use called Weed Be Gone. That's what I'm using. Now, the trick with Weed Be Gone is that you don't just go out there and spritz and walk away. You have to, you have to spray twice uh, ten, over a 10-day period, and you should be fertilizing because we have to help our lawns to outcompete the weeds, and the best way to help our lawns do that is to feed them and have them lush and thick and full, and then the weeds cannot get a hold. But the, the, on its own, Weed Be Gone will not just magically make your weeds disappear and make the lawn grow beautifully. So it's all part of a process. And the, the Weed Be Gone does work if you use it as per instructions, uh, time of day, moisture requirements, spray twice, and recognize that fertilizing is all part and parcel of good lawn care. Now, what happens in the wintertime if I don't do anything? Like, the whole half the yard is full of weeds now, Mm. and I was wondering, would they live over winter? Depends what kind of weeds they are, but even... Crabgrass. Oh, okay, so that's... That type. yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know that things like dandelions and stuff come back year after year. They, they're perennial plants. Crabgrass is an interesting one because, of course, what you're looking at in your lawn, that crabgrass will die. That crabgrass is an annual plant. It dies in the frost. But any one crabgrass plant will first disperse as many as 60,000 seeds before it dies. Oh. So, sure, you're not going to have that crabgrass, but you could have exponentially more crabgrass. Now, keep in mind, those seeds drop in the fall and don't germinate till the spring. So, if your biggest problem right now is crabgrass, you may want to consider just waiting, like you're saying, wait till the spring, and then that's when you'll use the fertilizer with the corn gluten meal, and that will keep all those crabgrass seeds from germinating. And, but if I use it now, if I, if I use the thing now... Can it um, still kill them? The weeds be gone will not kill crabgrass. The weed be gone will kill broadleafed plantain, um, black medic, uh, you know, lamb's quarters, uh, dandelions. But it will not kill grasses. So if it's crabgrass control you're looking for, digging now is an option. Uh, and, or waiting till spring and using the corn gluten meal fertilizer is your other option. That sounds like possibly the best uh, solution yeah, there, yeah. really. Yeah. Yes, because the size is really, oh, maybe six feet by 10, 
12 feet. You know, it, crabgrass is very shallow rooted and the soil is nice and moist. It's actually not that hard to pull. And you'd be amazed like how just one plant is taking up a lot of area. And, you know, this is where I always tell people, you know, the old bottle of wine, <laughs> the bushel basket, the uh, nice little tool and a, and a cushion sit on the ground. You know, you could I'm be there for a couple for hours. Are you? Well, maybe, maybe it's one of those things. Maybe a neighborhood child or kid would do it for you. Of course, don't give them the wine. But um, <laughs> you know, save that for Charlie. <laughs> but it really isn't that hard to pull. But it will take time. I mean, it could take a couple hours in that kind of a space. Yeah. All What's right. The other name for crabgrass. Um, the actual Latin name for crabgrass. Well. The man that comes and does my lawn, like he writes out on a piece of paper what it is. I don't have it now, but he didn't call it crabgrass. He called it something else. Mm. But it looks like crabgrass. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Off, yeah, generally we just refer to it as crabgrass. If it looks like crab, would he have called it maybe bent grass? Could be. Yeah, because that's... A different problem, but same thing. It's, it needs to be pulled. So yeah. either way, yeah. Well, if you've got somebody, maybe see if he's got staff that can do some pulling for you. But that's that's what I would recommend, or the pre-emergent herbicide in the spring. Okay, okay. Dorothy, Thanks. thank you very, very much for calling. It's uh, 927 here at AM 740, The Garden Show, with Charlie Dobbin, as we take a little trip to the falls. Hey, there's Gene. Good morning, Gene. Good morning. Good morning. My problem is... Uh, I have been told I have surface insects and uh, eating the roots and the lawn is turning brown in many areas. I've used insecticidal soap, mm-hmm. uh, very expensive because I have a very, very large lawn. Mm. Can I mix my own soap? You can. Uh, the mix is 40 parts water to, 40 one, parts water. to one part soap. One part soap. Now, it must be soap. It can't oh, be yes. detergent. Yes, not detergent. Right. So it's got to be soap. Now, you, so you could do that. Now, when, when you said that you've been told you have surface insects, do you have any, uh, any idea, where, is it cinch bug that you have, or do you think it's grubs that you have? Uh, I really don't know. I do have lawn service. Wasn't happy with them. Uh, and uh, they don't spray for insects. Right. He just called, said it was surface insects. Right. So here's what I suggest you do, because we are at the absolute opportune time, if you think you have grubs, to consider putting nematodes on, buying the nematode eggs and inoculating your lawn with those. How you'll know you have grubs is you go out to one of those brown patches in your lawn and tug on some of the little brown leaves of blades of grass. If they come up very easily and there's no roots attached to those little brown blades of grass, then you can suspect that you have grubs. And there's no question, uh, we have, with the hot July that we had and now this lovely rain that we've had, the grub eggs have hatched. Not all of them. There's three different kinds of insects that are all called grubs. Two of them have hatched and are now uh, starting to chew the roots of our lawns. So at this time of year, and like I say, it's a per- very opportune with the moisture levels in the lawn now to consider uh, going and using, getting the nematodes and doing a control that way. Soap is not as likely to kill them, but soap can be effective with cinch bug. So that's why it's a it's kind of a question well, of what you, what see you might have. White moths flying up, and then there seems to be webs over the uh, areas of lawn. Hmm. Yeah. Well, there is some called sod web worm, um, and yeah, soap and fertilizer are going to be your best way to deal with that. So, uh, yeah. It's interesting, eh? Lawns. I mean, it's, it, it was a tough July on our lawns, and they just went yellow and dormant and looked pretty crummy. And then all of a sudden we get some rain, and most lawns have bounced back very nicely. But if they're not bouncing back, then absolutely, yes, you do have to start suspecting that there could be some insect problems. Unfortunately, we have not had the rain that other areas have had. No, eh? No. And have you been irrigating at all? Uh, yes, I try and keep it up once a week, okay. but as I say, it's very large. Right. Yeah. So that's impossible. You can't I do that. Start reseeding, mm-hmm. top dressing, whatever. Ab- yep. Absolutely. No. And you're absolutely right. As we mentioned to the earlier caller, uh, when she was talking about her lawn, it's so important to recognize that 
even if you do annihilate the insects or lower the population dramatically without killing every insect, because you really don't want to kill every insect. You want your soil to be alive. So, you know, even if you can lower the population, part of good lawn care is exactly like you said, top dressing, overseeding, fertilizing, you know, doing everything in your power to uh, ensure the nice, lush, thick lawn can outcompete weeds and insects. Very good. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Gene, and uh, take care of the folks there in Niagara Falls for us. Uh, Always welcome to the show. 9.31 our time. I'm Frank Proctor, uh, the sous chef of the garden. Charlie Dobbin, uh, she is the expert. Uh, Well, isn't that right? Yes. Master gardener, I guess, is the (laughs) term I should use. I should just tell you, um, because he's probably listening as well, I just want to say hello to Don Voorhees. Dr. Don, we call him. Oh, yes. He's a tree guy. So when you said, you know, Charlie's the expert, she knows everything, I just... I should share with all of you that Don is a good friend of mine. I've known him for many years. He's just been an amazing support person at Canada Blooms over the years. And he is the expert on trees. So I have a big Norway maple in my back garden. And I was a little worried about some early Mm. defoliation that I've had this year, like much earlier than normal. So I decided to invite Dr. Don and his lovely wife for dinner. And while he was enjoying my garden and my (laughs) dinner, I wanted him to cast his eye on my tree. So Jan and uh, Don and also Dennis Flanagan, who you know, and his lovely wife Elaine came for dinner last Saturday. So a big hello to Don and Jan. And just uh, he did a great job uh, taking a look and getting down on his hands and knees and digging around my tree. He's all dressed up in his dinner apparel. And he was uh, was down there in the dirt. It was great. (laughs) He was great. You're sneaky. I know. You know, you're like those people at cocktail parties when they run into a doctor. Oh, by the way, yeah, uh, I got a pain in my shoulder here, yeah, Doc. Yeah, and you think, yeah, make an appointment. Exactly. <laughs> well, I did. I made an appointment. I well, said, come for dinner. Come for dinner. Uh, of course. <laughs> and, and while you're here, just uh, cast your eye on you my are, tree. You are too smooth. Larry in Whitby is on the line here. Good morning, Larry. Hello, Larry. Hello. Yeah. Morning. Good morning. Um, I have a question about water wands, mm-hmm. I see one advertised that claims that it incorporates oxygen into the stream and really increases the benefits to the foliage. Uh, are you familiar with that? No, actually, I'm not. It's, uh, okay, I'm listening. I don't know why a plant would want oxygen, though. They want carbon dioxide. Well, I, I wasn't... Um, familiar with it either, but I see it advertised in the Canadian Tower and oh. makes this claim, and I wanted to, it's double the price of yeah. usual ones, <laughs> uh-huh. and I didn't know if it was a wise investment. Off the top of my head, you know what, I let me look into that a little more to have a real true opinion, but um, off the top of my head, yes, to, basically it's like an aerator. You know how um, our shower heads nowadays, they give out half the water they used to because they incorporate air into it, so it feels like there's lots of water coming out, but really there's a lot of air being added to the water, which is using less water, obviously. So there's an argument for that, that you'd be using less water probably with that kind of a wand. But if it's incorporating actual oxygen or maybe just ambient air, which is still a high percentage of oxygen, it's not, it shouldn't, I wouldn't expect it to do any big favors to the plants. Like plants don't really care about oxygen. When we, they give off oxygen as a byproduct. What they want is carbon dioxide, right? That's well, why we that love plants. The question because they claim it increases the foliage 40%. Yeah, so they're going to suggest that it's the plant is going to grow bigger and juicier, but as a result of what? Adding oxygen? I don't understand. Is there maybe like a little fertilizer attachment with it? Or no, 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 it just claims that uh, mm. this uh, yeah, interesting. Added, added uh, oxygen in the water, somehow going through the process of going through this nozzle. Yeah. Increases things, but... Uh, okay, well, right now, I, I would say I don't think so. Is, is you say it's a Canadian Tire item? Is it like Mastercraft, or is it somebody else, another name? It's another name. Okay, so what I'll do is I'm going to look into that and uh, get back to you uh, when I have further information, but right now I wouldn't spend the money. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there she is, offering advice on everything under the sun. And uh, 9.36 uh, is, that a criticism? is the time. No, not at all. I think you're very brave. Uh, <laughs> let's go to Marjorie in Oshawa. Say hi. Good morning, Marjorie. Good morning, Charlie and everybody. Good morning. <laughs> yeah, so go I ahead. I have a plant, which are a weed, 
It started between the patio stones in under the patio table, mm-hmm. and it is now about eight feet high with a stalk about one and a half inches, and then it's also about eight feet across. It's almost square. <laughs> so the all leaves st- are heart-shaped, which are six to nine inches. And then right from the stalk, we get a yellow flower that turns into a thistle shape. Uh-huh. And is it still under your patio table, or did you move the table? I moved the table, <laughs> so now it's up to the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, and your question is what? Do, is, should you be keeping this and moving the patio, or, or should you just get well, out the what chainsaw? Is it? is it safe, or is it poisonous? Um... Off the top of my head, I would say it's safe, but I would also recommend that you remove it before it goes to seed because the last thing you want is that kind of a monster plant all over your garden. Uh, I've just scribbled the notes, some notes about what you said, the heart-shaped leaves, and like a thistle-type flower, but yellow. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, maybe somebody who's listening knows exactly what that is or can call us and, and look it up and tell us exactly what that is. Off the top of my head, I'm not... Are they fur- are they green leaves or fur? Are they got oh, a everything's gray? very green. Very except green. This wee little yellow flower which comes forth. Yeah. And my partner says, "Don't cut it down or whatnot. You may be disturbing too much." But obviously, yeah. some bird decided they should drop it on our patio. Exactly. It's often exactly what it is. Whether it's squirrels or birds or ants. I mean, that's a lot of seeds get dispersed by wildlife yeah. or even the wind. So it could, you know, I, I'm happy to try and sort of figure out what it is. But off the top of my head, I would, yeah, don't let it go to flower. Because once it goes to flower, it's going to go to seed and then you're going to really be regretting that. But it does sound quite stunning. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> you should take, take a picture Yeah, take of pictures that. for sure. Can you do that? If you've got a camera, you can take some pictures. Uh, and you said to take a picture. I have trouble hearing you at the Yes, moment. please. If you could take a picture, do you have a camera? Yes, yes. Okay. Take pictures. Send me a picture. I'd love to see it. Okay. So the switchboard will tell me how to do that. That's right. Exactly. Or once you get off the line here, I can give you the mailing address if you'd like to mail or email any photos to me. Yeah, I can email it either way. Okay, oh, perfect. That's great. Thanks, Marjorie. Well, thank you, Charlie, and uh, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> pretty interesting. We had morning glories, which we're very happy. Oh, good. And I hope that this doesn't leave us seed, so we get this next year. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds okay. like a super plant, boy. I'd like to <laughs> see that myself. Thank you very much for the call. Uh, you are listening, my friends, to AM seven forty Zoomer Radio, the Garden Show with the Goddess of the Garden, uh, Charlie Dobbin, mm, yeah. and like the best sous chef in the world. Well, yes, Franklin uh, might add probably the only one, but. I am the best. Sous chef of the garden. Yes. Undergardener, as hmm. we like to point I like to point out on a pretty exactly. regular basis. We, we, uh, my uh, email <laughs> address oh, yeah. okay. Go ahead. is yeah. my first initial C and my last name Dobbin. So C-D-O-B-B-I-N at am 740 Dot .ca and I'm happy to receive pictures of unknown plants or uh questions that I can answer uh on air uh like I say super happy to get any email from anybody who'd like to send and uh I will give you the mailing address in case perhaps anybody would like to post a letter or a photograph the again put it to my attention to the garden show Charlie Dobbin 550 Queen Street East Sweet 205, and then the postal code in Toronto is M5A1V2. There you go. Okay. Excellent. And we are going to uh, come back to the lines in just a moment after these words on The Garden Show. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, here bidding you a great Saturday morning. And it is, too. A little it's on gorgeous. the chilly side. Oh, it's going to warm a up. A lovely day. Nice day to go to the X. Yeah, sure. They've got a garden show going on there. Have they ever? Yes, and we indeed. are a sponsor of that, that here at AM 740. Yeah. Off to Hamilton we go. Charlie, Suzanne is there. <laughs> hi, Suzanne. Uh, hi. Morning. Hello. Good morning. Um, can you give me the exact address of the um, trial gardens? Because I'm sorry, I missed it. Oh, sure. Uh, if you wanted to look it up on the web, just go to... I will. La- Landscape Ontario, right? Yeah, landscapeontario.com. .com, yeah. Yep. Or here's the actual address of Landscape Ontario, which is 7865 mm-hmm. 
Fifth Line South. Mm-hmm. Milton. Milton. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's so, where, where it is? That's exactly right. So it's just um, the actual location. You can see Landscape, Landscape Ontario from the 401. Oh, can you? It's, it's yeah, it's on, it's on the north side, and it's this bi- building where they've put up big banners on the building that says Landscape Ontario, you know, oh, really? green for life. And then you'll see all the beautiful flowers all down in gardens below the building, like between the 401 and the building is sort of an acreage of gardens. Oh, so, really? okay. but, so it's right between James Snow Parkway and Trafalgar Rose. So you get off Amen. one of those exits off of the 401. You're coming from Hamilton, probably James Snow Parkway, and then just work your way around to, uh, to up onto Steeles and then down to Fifth Line. So I wonder how long it'll take to get there from Hamilton. Mm, 40 minutes probably at okay, the most. Okay, I'll have to put it in 30 on minutes. Uh, GPS. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the best that's thing the to best do. Way. Yeah. And, and the other question was, how long will it take to get through uh, the gardens, do you think? Oh, depends how many notes you're going to make and how many uh, <laughs> sort of photographs you're going to take and people you're going to chit-chat. No, I, I've seen people go through a garden like that in 45 minutes an hour. Okay, um, okay. But that's you great. could take longer if, if you had sort of more details you wanted to... to yeah, and the hours for that again uh, will actually uh, start at 10 o'clock through till 3. Yeah. Right, yeah. And it's just for today, right? Yeah, that's right. And the other thing, too, is I thought I would tell you, um, the, the, rain, the watering thing that he was talking about yes. is called Pure Rain Watering Accessories. Okay. And it's on page 5 of the Canadian Tire um, <laughs> flyer, the, the, the gentleman that was talking about the... Um, the watering accessory, mm-hmm. the nozzle. Yep. Okay. Got it. Boy, we're going to have to get your phone number. You could be a resource for us yeah, here. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I was interested. It was interesting because I was interested. I thought, how could this thing, uh, you know, really do anything for my plants, right? But of yeah. course, I was curious. Well, and it's I, it's on my list of places to go this afternoon anyway because I have things to pick up. So I'm going to go to Canadian Tire. I'll take a look at it and I'll it's report anyway. back next week. Okay. It is. I mean, it's it sounds a little gimmicky and gadgety, and the question it does, is, yeah. does it have any value or not? So maybe you'll talk about it next week. I will do my best. Okay. <laughs> thank thank <laughs> you, Suzanne. Everything. Thanks for the information. Okay, no. Righto. Enjoy the trial gardens. They're very interesting. Zoomer Radio, AM 740, The Garden Show. Thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, let's uh, check in with Jack, who's calling in from Peterborough. Good morning, Jack. Good morning. How are you this morning? Great. Morning. Uh, I just have a, a question on orchids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have one here that looks like there's two plants growing out of the stalk on it rather than flowers. And I was wondering what I should do with them. So, okay, so a little stalk, like a green stalk has grown off the plant, and now it looks like more little plants are growing yeah, off. Yes, there's, there's two plants. There's leaves already, uh-huh. and there's some roots coming off. Oh, isn't that sweet? So what it's done, it, it's, they're called offsets. So they are little baby plants mm-hmm. that are growing off, off the mother plant. So with nice little sharp pair of scissors... You, but, of course, be prepared to have little pots and a proper medium to place those new little plants into because orchids don't grow in soil, mm-hmm. right? So it's whether it's orchid bark or whatever. What, uh, I have some moss. Is it as, as well as good as bark or would the bark be better? Bark's better. Bark is better. Yeah. Okay. Is it sphagnum moss that you've got? Uh, yes, it is. Yes. I, I was going to try to transplant some a while ago, and I didn't have much luck at it. Yeah. <laughs> See, the problem with sphagnum moss is it stays moist for too long. Oh, okay. It, and I'm just saying this off the top of my head. You don't, do you have any idea what kind of orchids these are? No, it's, as far as I know, it's just the, re- the, the, the regular ordinary ones. kind you get from the corner store. That's right, which is the uh, phalaenopsis. If you wanted to look up anything about transplanting this orchid or even, you know, the best medium to grow it in, and you use your computer, you can just Google moth, as in the flying insect moth, M-O-T-H, orchid, or phalaenopsis, which is the proper name. But as soon as you do moth orchid, it'll come up with phalaenopsis, which starts with a P-H. Oh, okay. Okay, and that A-E-L-O, phalaenopsis. Uh, There's lots of good information on the web, and of course the... Uh, so Southern Ontario Orchid Society, S-O-O-S dot C-A, has mm-hmm. some very good information on their website as well. Oh, perfect. 
Okay. All righty. Good stuff. Thanks, Jack. Thanks very much. Yeah, have a great <laughs> have day. A good day. Thank you for joining us here on The Garden Show. Just want to give a shout-out of my own, if I may. Yeah. Uh, yes, you may. Uh, certainly. Well, last Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh, Di, my wife, and I uh, drove to Kitchener-Waterloo to visit her dad, mm-hmm. who was celebrating his 98th birthday. I can't believe that. Yeah, 98. And uh, I was so surprised my brother-in-law, Ron Shane, said, uh, oh, yeah, and he started co- talking about the garden. He says, well, Charlie says this. I said, wait a minute. You mean Charlie? <laughs> yeah, he listen all the time. Well, he shocked me, I tell you. You had I no idea your brother in law had no idea he was into the gardening show. thing. Yeah. The gardening thing. Everybody's yeah. into the gardening thing. <laughs> it's cool to garden. Well, hello, Ron. I call him Uncle Ron. But, um, but, uh, so, hi, I, Uncle Ron. But also, you told me a nice story about Di's dad, the 98-year-old yes. dad. He, in the home he lives in, he he's kind of the go-to handyman. He he honestly is. Uh, they have a maintenance guy there, of course. But whenever he's away and somebody's say uh, their toilet breaks down, they'll call Lloyd Nyland. He'll yeah. come out and he gets his little he's... box of tools and then he goes and fixes it <laughs> every day. He folds all the napkins. Two hundred napkins he folds. That's his sort of job. Yeah. And anything else that comes up, I love that though. Unofficial. I love that. Yeah, keeping, maintenance guy. Yeah, keeping busy though, right? Oh yeah. Doing stuff that you he can. Sculpts, do. He's a sculptor. Yeah, a wood carver. Uh, a carver, carver. Yeah. And he goes to carving classes every week. I mm. mean, the guy's incredible. That really is incredible. Is. So he can obviously see very well if he can. Yeah. Oh do yeah. All this carving with sharp blades and things. He's a pretty sharp dude. I'll tell you. <laughs> really. Well, uh, big happy birthday to yeah. him. Belated birthday. What brought that to mind was yes. that our next caller is from. Waterloo, oh, yes. and it's Jan. Good morning, Jan. Hi. Morning. Um, that was interesting. Um, I have um, uh, a divided plant from a friend, a bee balm, mm-hmm. red bee balm, and I put it in my garden, and um, it was just a, a few weeks ago I put it in, and then when it started raining, um, now I have mildew mm-hmm. on the leaves. How do I treat that? What do I do? Um, well, bee balm is the common name of a perennial plant called monarda. And many of the monardas, particularly the older varieties, are very susceptible to powdery mildew. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you can do, well, one thing is you can ignore it and not really worry about it. And recognize, though, that it is likely to happen every year as the temperatures. It's more a humidity thing. Mm-hmm. With that high humidity we had for the last few weeks, it's really brought the mildew right to the surface on lilacs and flocks and, and zucchini. You know, lots of leaves have a white coating on them now because of all that humidity. Mm-hmm. To avoid that in the future, because you can't treat the mildew once it's established. So what you would do in the future is as we head into humid weather next July or August, you have on hand garden sulfur or a product called Serenade. And these are fungicides that are low toxicity fungicides, completely allowed to be used within the Ontario, you know, pesticide regulations. But you prevent the mildew by spraying when the conditions are, are right for the mildew to start growing. Oh, okay. The other thing you could consider is, since you've just planted that, that monarda or bee balm anyway, would be make sure that it's planted in a spot where it's getting a minimum of six hours of direct sunlight every single day when oh. the sun is shining. So that will help keep the mildew down. The other thing you can do is think about a spot with good air circulation because it's the low dead air and high humidity that makes makes it perfect for mildew. Oh. So if perhaps you could move that mildew to a more mildew, move that monarda <laughs> to a more open, okay. airy, sunny spot, again, you're less likely to have mildew in the future. Okay. And and so my friend, um, I asked her last night, mm-hmm. and she said she just cuts it right down and throws those leaves and everything away. Mm-hmm. That's right, and because the root is still there, and of course that all comes up again next spring. So it becomes unsightly, but a lot of the monardas are still blooming, so you sort of don't want to cut them down if if it's still in blooming phase. Mm -hmm. They are, you know, late season, so, uh, um, and, you know, the hummingbirds love bee balm. I mean, that's, the red flowers are so attractive to the hummingbirds, and they're just on their way south now, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, if you can avoid cutting them down, I would. But you're right. Your friend is right. That's one of the, the sort of, in, that's what we do in the short term is cut down to eliminate the, the source of the mildew by eliminating the plant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it won't spread to other leaves. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. By removing it like that, that's exactly it. You remove the inoculant. 
Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Jan, right, for calling in. You. Thanks, Jan. Hope you're, everyone enjoying the uh, garden show this morning. A lot of uh, different questions. We'll find out what is on John's mind in Mississauga in just a moment. Uh, first, these words on the garden show from AM740. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got the garden show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Yeah, I know we have uh, one free line that maybe we could uh, get filled up there, 416-360-0740 in Toronto. And then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, call 1-866-740-4740 for Charlie Dobbin. As we check in now with John in Mississauga. Good morning, John. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Great show, like usual. Thank you. Um... Charlie, I, I have, uh, you know, my everything that is so dear to my heart. I have 10 fruit trees, mm-hmm. and this year I'm so disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, my nectarine, which had a lot of fruit, it was beautiful of, uh, uh, greenery and, uh, and leaves and all that. Since last Sunday, mm. I picked up, I would say, maybe half a bushel of rotten nectarines. The tree is losing the leaves. Mm-hmm. And another one, I have the other peach tree, which no no leaves and a lot of uh, fruit. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me, please, what's going on in this world? Well, yeah, I know. This is, okay, this has been a very funny year in a lot of ways. Think about how the spring started. Remember how we had that really hot weather in uh-huh. late March? Then it got cold. So a lot of the flowers got frosted off in, in for many of the gr- fruit in many of the fruit growing areas. Now, in your case, you've got the fruit happening, so the flowers survived. The leaves came out. And I know we have talked in the past, John. Yeah. Remind me, did you do things like dormant spraying in the spring? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Dorm- you- and, 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 and I took your advice, too, uh, Charlie, and I used the Bordeaux. Okay. Uh, I used it, believe me, I used it religiously. Okay, not um, in the heat of the day, though. Like, it was early, you would do it like it early in the day kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The first thing in the morning, 6, yeah. 8, quarter to 7, okay, 7, good. something like that. Yeah. You know. Okay. And that's a copper sulfate, and that's designed to prevent fungal diseases. Uh-huh. So, and yet here you are with uh, fruit rotting yeah, on the vine, leaves so, dropping. To be honest, I'm getting so... I thought to my wife, I'm going to get a chainsaw. I'm going to two of them. <laughs> I know. Uh, it is, it's so disappointing when things like this happen. I mean, but every year is different. I mean, you've had years where you've had great crops and, oh, and yeah. oh, great yeah. harvests. Oh, yeah. So, you know, w- between the... W- you know, when it was super dry in July, were you religiously watering your trees? Oh, yes. Good. Oh, yes. And, yes especially... Like you said, you know, I open the water and I leave it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so slow, a nice slow dribble around the trees. Yeah, and of course, and, and, or, and, and even when I water my lawn, right? I let it. I let my water lawn, and now we're in each area. So if, when I water, I start from eight o'clock in the morning till maybe what? Believe me, eight o'clock at night. <laughs> wow. One day though, one, yeah. one one day a week. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, now, do you have yeah. lawn growing right up to the base of the trees, or is it open at the base no, of the trees? No, uh, at the base of the tree, maybe that is around uh, three foot uh, square. Good. You know, and and soil around it, and I put uh, I put cow manure at the Perfect. beginning of the season. I used to use the, the, those sticks, but I, I don't anymore yeah. because I find them too expensive. Right. Yeah, and I find them a bit too intense all in one area. I think well, it sounds like you're doing everything right. Yeah. What yeah, about that's pruning? What, that's what the frustration of it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Talk to me about pruning. Did you do any pruning on the trees this past spring? Yes, I did. Yep, you did. And you've been like following uh, some good information, or you've got a good book telling you about how oh, to prune to believe me, for yes, open. Believe me, I do. Yeah, um, good. I'll be honest. I used to listen to. Um, CKTB, you know, with Bruce Zimmerman, and, uh-huh. and he gave me, actually, he even gave me a couple books, because mm-hmm. I even went to visit him, because we used to talk about uh, these a lot. All right. Because, like I said, I've been, I've been doing this for <laughs> 37 years or so, yeah. and, uh, and that's, you're, you're right, I, hit, I did have good crops, mm-hmm. but I'm getting frustrated now. Since, since we stopped uh, you know, spraying with this and that, with, you know, I'm... There's nothing to sort yeah. of enjoy anymore because we, we cannot spray anymore. And I think you, what you're expressing, I heard somebody expressing not just a few days ago as well, looking at a lot of crab apples, which, same thing, completely defoliated, covered in all kinds of spots and fungal and bacterial and uh-huh. insects. And, you know, they just they get weakened. The trees get weakened by the diseases and then... You know, we, we start to see the decline of the trees over a period of time. 
And the, the finger is being pointed at the lack of our ability to prevent the problem because we aren't able to use the sprays we used to be able to use. Uh-huh. And I agree with you. And used properly, those sprays were very, very effective. And frankly, I don't think they were doing huge, horrible things to the environment used properly. Being 100% yeah, I agree with you, Charlie. The important 100%. term there. Well, John, good luck. Um, yeah, so I'm not, you know what, John, let me leave this with me and I'll see if I can come up with any thoughts for you for, to, to talk about for next show right off the top. Because mm-hmm. I, 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 I hear I'm your frustration. I'm looking forward to listening to you next Saturday. Okay. okay. <laughs> Thanks, Take John. Have a good weekend. You too. You bet. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, 9.57. Yeah, we've got time for one more call, certainly. Jane in Stouffville. Good morning. 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 Good morning, Charlie. I have some beautiful tomato plants, and they have yielded a wonderful crop this year of tomatoes. Excellent. The thing is, they, they, um, they taste like onions. Oh. Now, I did, I did plant them around a beautiful Asiatic lily. I didn't want to pull up the lily. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that's the reason why. They have this pungent. Um, well, taste. no, Never heard of shouldn't. That. No, the lilies shouldn't affect the tomatoes at all. Not to be like an onion. Are there chives or onions in the area? No. What variety of tomatoes are, are they? Do they? Do you remember? Uh, I I think there were beefsteak because huh. um, there were a variety. I think I, I planted oh. three plants, three different yeah. varieties. But they're large, you know, like the beef steak variety. Mm-hmm. And they look great, but they taste like onions. <laughs> yes, well, and you know, you... you, you <laughs> well, it's kind of cool, actually. You know, for a salad, I, nothing better I was than say, a, a little uh, salt tomatoes pepper. and onion. Yeah, yeah. sprinkle yeah, a little olive oil. Because of the bulb on the Asiatic lily, if that mm. had something to do with it. It shouldn't, it shouldn't, but... Great question. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Like the, I mean, if it did have an effect, it shouldn't have an onion-like effect. I mean, that's the crazy thing. So, yeah. so well, I wonder if perhaps onions or something was in that ground at one point, or like I say, chives or something that might have had left behind something. Maybe you've got one of a kind there. I was going to say, hold on to some seeds off of <laughs> yeah. those tomatoes. That's uh, might be a whole new idea here. <laughs> Salad bowl in, in one plant. Or anything though? Do you? <laughs> Pardon. You don't think the tomatoes would be toxic or anything? No, no. I wouldn't be at all concerned about that. No. Okay. No. Okay. Right. Well, that's great to know. I was, um, you know. That's great. Um, think it. about planting them in a different location next year and see if that makes uh, May- you know, a change. And let yeah. us know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Jane. That's one of the strangest I love calls, it. eh? I mean, uh, a, a tomato that tastes like an onion. Well, yeah, or probably has a bit of an onion yeah. flavor. But, I mean, think about it for the urban gardener that oh, only super. has so much space, right? Yeah. Grow an entire salad in, you know, two plants. <laughs> Make a great sandwich. I know. A little sure. radicchio. Like, you just do good things with very few plants. Well, I can't believe the time has flown by the, has. to the point where we have to say goodbye and welcome to the guys from uh, Dave's Corner I Garage. I can hear them. <laughs> yeah, they're Alan Gelman, Dave Redding are all engines. set to get revved up here uh, in just a couple of moments. Thank uh, you, Franklin Proctor. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward yeah. to talking to actually the general manager of the CNE, first part of the show. Nice. About 11.15, we'll be finding out what's new there and all cool. that sort of stuff. Yeah, and deep-fried uh, baked uh, butter or I something. I know. Oh, weird. Yeah, all the weird food. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much, Dave Gaskin. And uh, thanks for all your great calls. See everybody again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.